Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, gazers. Welcome back to The Female Gaze. I'm Jesse Katz. I'm Alana Rodriguez. Hey, what's up, Alana? Hi. I really like how you just said gazers. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's a new one, and I like uh, it. So I actually dropped it at the end of one of our first episodes, and you liked it. Yeah, so today I remember. I was like, I'm going to say it again so she can be happy again. <laughs> hey, gazers. <laughs> I'm into it. Hi. Hi. Uh, it's been an exhausting week. I yeah. just want to put that out there. I, I feel good right now because I'm excited to be here, and this is always the best part of my week. Agreed. But this week that we're recording in kicked off with staying up too late on Sunday night watching the Oscars, which was exhausting in and of itself as always. And then later this week, we got to watch the Michael Cohen hearing before Congress, um, which the end of that, I would say, oddly reminded me of watching the Oscars, um, <laughs> which I'll get to in a second. Um, I just like this might come up in our boats and bees, so I don't want to get too much into it right now. But I do just have to say very quickly, the ending of the hearing yesterday, it was yesterday when we were recording this, in which the entire thing devolves into a yelling match over who is more racist, mm-hmm. a white man or a woman of color, was so bonkers to me. I mean, the entire day was completely surreal, but that just encapsulated so much of where we are in this moment. Oh, it yeah. blew my mind. And so just to catch people up real quick on what happened in case you missed it, because you can't write stuff better than this. So in his testimony, Michael Cohen listed several examples of Donald Trump being racist. And just to back up for a second, Michael Cohen was the president's lawyer and fixer for 10 years. So he's going to jail for all the shady shit he did for Trump. And now he's singing his soul out um, to the House Oversight Committee because he wants to clear his conscience and probably get a reduced sentence. So he laid out all these facts proving that Trump is a racist. And to counter those accusations, Representative Mark Meadows, a Republican of North Carolina, decided to trot out a black woman. And I say trot out because that's really what it looks like. He had this woman come out and stand behind him. Her name is Lynn Patton. She's a black woman who worked for the Trump family and Trump's presidential campaign. She's now an official with the Department of Housing and Urban Development. And he had her stand behind him and said she submitted a comment for the record saying Trump is not a racist, that she's (laughs) known him all this time, and she would never work for a racist. So it has to be... So he lie. must not be a racist. Can, yeah. <laughs> um, and it was such a typical, like, I'm not a racist. I have a black friend kind yeah. of move, you know. There she is. There she goes. Yeah. She's walking around. So then after that, uh, Rashida Tlaib, one of the newly elected members of Congress, she was one of the two first uh, Muslim women to ever be elected to Congress this year, just said for the record, I think the fact that Meadows used a black woman as a prop is in and of itself a racist act. And he lost his shit at that. He stopped the proceedings to make sure it was on the record that he was so offended. He's not a racist. In fact, he has, what, like nieces and nephews of color that most people don't even know about, which is such a weird thing to say. Right. Like, why don't they know about them? Because they're <laughs> a secret? Because you're ashamed of them? Uh, and, and so, th- and then he accused her of being racist for accusing him of being racist. It was totally nuts. And then the best part of all of this is that about 10 minutes later, everyone starts tweeting videos of him from 2012, I think, saying uh, we're going to send Barack Obama back to Kenya because this motherfucker was a birther. Right. Accusing this woman of being a racist. Right. And being so offended that anyone would think he's racist. Okay, so that was yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) And the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, this feels like when I just had to watch Green Book when Best Picture and Spike Lee literally walked out of the theater. Uh, It's crazy days. Crazy days. So that's the week we're coming off of. Coming in hot. Yeah. Coming in guns blazing. Oh, boy. Jesse Katz. 
Yeah, I just I just had to talk it out. No, I like that. But now we're here and it's all good. Uh, So we have joining us in studio. If you if you've been hearing a third voice (laughs) (laughs) kind of say, uh huh, in agreement to all of this recapping. Uh, This is Ashley Lauren Rogers, playwright, stand up comic and trans rights activist. Welcome to the female gaze. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. We're stoked. This was kind of a last minute thing that came up that you were able to come on the show. And we're stoked. And yeah, we have a lot to dig into uh, about stuff that you're working on. Really curious to talk to you in particular about the trans gaze, uh, writing it, teaching it, which you do, um, analyzing the media through that and all the exciting work you're doing. You have plays in the pipeline, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of stuff. Mm. But first, as always, let's do a quick round of yeah! Float Your Boat. Toot toot. Be in your bonnet. Buzz, buzz, bitch. All right, I just talked a long time, so someone else starts with your boat. <laughs> Ashley, do you want to kick us off? Sure. What's your so, boat? Like, what's what's floating your boat this week? What's up? Okay, so I listened to a couple episodes, and yes. I found out that uh, you you mentioned in the last episode that you have a lot of people who uh, tend to have a lot of bees, but not a lot of multiple boats. Yeah, yeah we're all bitter. We're all <laughs> assholes. No one has enough hope <laughs> in Tell their us life. you're not an asshole, mm-hmm. Ashley. Well, I'll tell you what. I made it a goal to have multiple boats and a single bee. Fuck. Yeah. So my Thank you. Th- so I have three boats, if you'll permit me. Yeah, go for well, it. You are permitted. Perfect. <laughs> uh, We're all about consent here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my first one is uh, a couple weeks ago, a woman named Nyla Rose, who is a professional wrestler and a trans woman. Uh, she was signed to AEW All Elite Wrestling. So she is the first ever trans woman signed to a major wrestling wow. organization. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. AEW is still uh, up and coming. Uh-huh. It's still, but it's got a it's lot legit. of major money. Yep, it's it's uh, the people that own the Jacksonville Jaguars are funding it. Oh, wow, nice. uh, people like Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega are on the sort of like a, a business committee as well. So wow. this is one of those things. If you know pro wrestling, this is a major thing. So Sweet. hell that. yeah, that's yeah. a great boat. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. All right, what else you got? Okay, so the next one, uh, Within Temptation, which is a band that I follow. I love heavy metal. You're going to learn a lot about me. I love mostly pro wrestling <laughs> and heavy metal. Yeah, uh, but they're a female fronted heavy metal band. Cool. Uh, they just cool. released an album, and it is killer uh it's called resist okay. and it's just it like oh my gosh it's so good it right without temptation within temptation within temptation mm-hmm. is the name of the band yeah okay cool there. alana yeah. the music head is putting this in her notes app do you like veruca then veruca salt yeah oh yeah oh man i grew up with veruca Hell salt oh yeah. my gosh i love them yeah cool. i was literally yeah. just listening to their um to their record a couple of days ago i also love metal so very What's awesome up? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll, i don't we'll but talk maybe a lot you guys can rub off later. on me oh yeah, yeah. yeah. all we'll right what's you your third boat all right my third boat is let me find the article specifically oh wait i'm going the wrong way Jesse, I got you. I've yeah. always, I thought my whole life that Veruca Salt was, and is it a character from Willy Wonka? So, yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know if they named it after that, yeah. but I know Veruca Salt is the name of that, uh, the spoiled girl who wanted the golden egg and then falls in. Right. But yeah. The band must there be named go. after her. We'll do yeah. some research. How long has the band been around for? A million years. Yeah. Like old, old school. Like older than the 70s? Maybe the nineties. Maybe the nineties. Oh. Yeah. And guys, obviously, it was Willy Wonka first. Yeah. Listen, they didn't independently both come up with this name. Listen, you never know. Look, I'm you open to time know. travel. Who knows? 100%. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. That's, if we're getting into the time space continuum, all right. Right. Uh, so the other one is Billy Porter, specifically Billy Porter at the Oscars. Yes. Uh, oh my wearing god. Wearing that amazing tuxedo dress. Mm. Inspired by uh, Hector Extravaganza, uh, Extravaganza rather, uh-huh. um, but not just that. Specifically, there's this video going around of Glenn Close noticing <laughs> the dress, yeah, and just like seeing it and making <laughs> these like, wait, what is this? Oh, this is good. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, I approve, yeah. and I kind of want one of these. Like yeah. that, it was just—it's such a great video. So yeah, this is um, an unscientific observation, but I feel like that look was the most reposted from any of the Oscar looks this year. Yeah, yeah, which I, is amazing. It's always an actress. It's always a woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, Billy Porter killed it. Yeah. Then he also—he was one of the red carpet interviewers. Also for the Oscars, which was interesting to me because mm. he's his own genius artist that people are huge fans of. And then he had to do the red carpet interviewing thing, which is really hard for anybody to pull off without 
sounding a little bit superficial because you can't get very deep on the red carpet. Mm. So it was odd to watch him go from walking the carpet himself, totally taking over everyone's timeline for like an hour and then switching roles and asking everyone else like, so who did your jewelry? But it's the game that we play. It is. Mm -hmm. The Oscars, Mm -hmm. baby. I know. All right, those were great. Alana? Um, Okay, so I'm going to make my boat pretty quick because I actually kind of hate that he's my boat specifically in this instance but um to your earlier point michael cohen <laughs> yeah is weirdly my boat this but week the rat is your boat the rat is my Ooh. boat only because um well obviously first snitches get stitches so he's definitely <laughs> gonna go to jail but i do appreciate the fact even though maybe it's him trying to get out of a longer sentence whatever that he's like coming out with the dirt like mm. we've all known that trump is shady and he's a piece of shit um and who better than to expose that than the guy who was covering up that shit for a decade plus with hard evidence with hard evidence checks all of it yes the stormy daniel stuff yeah. the R- trump tower russia shit yeah so you know what like fuck it up michael i really appreciated that i don't really appreciate anything else you've ever done or your career or whatever it is but in this moment in time thank you for bringing it to light because it gives me some hope that maybe finally trump can you know Get the fuck out of office. Yeah. Mm. I mean, did you see um, Elijah Cummings' closing statement? He had that line about, like, you know, at some point we're all going to be wrestling with the angels and we'll be asking ourselves, did we do everything we could to save democracy? I was like, fuck, that's a good question for all of us. Yeah. Like, are we all doing what we can do to save democracy? Preserving our human dignity, that seems... Like it's suffering right now, especially Absolutely. in this country. Yeah. That's a good one. I'm with you on that boat. Thanks. It was it was a very good day, I think, for citizens to tune in to what the fuck is happening in this country, and that's always a positive. I agree. Mm. Um, okay, my boat this week is. I'm just going to read a quote from an interview that Julia Roberts did with Kate Blanchett in Interview Magazine. Bless. I love when they have celebrities interviewing celebrities, especially two women like that. Um, and they talked about a million things, and I encourage everyone to go read it. But Kate Blanchett had this to say about the post-Weinstein era. Okay, ready? Ready. The best thing for me about this post-Weinstein era is the opportunity to learn from it. We can change the structure to have horizontal conversations rather than hierarchical ones. That's a matriarchy. I think the opportunity here is to reinvent the power structure so that it's genuinely more inclusive. It's not about competition. It's about collaboration. And I really love that because often when I am railing against the patriarchy, especially when I'm talking to men, they'll say, well, what do you want, a matriarchy? Why is that any better? That's still unequal. Mm. It's just tipping the scales towards women. And I often don't really know exactly how to respond to that. And I often say, no, I just want things to be equal. I don't want one or the other. But now I'm going to start saying, yes, I want a matriarchy because that means inclusivity. Right. Mm. because that's how women want things structured. I think it's interesting that that's the first question that you get, it, you know, from, a, you know, a male perspective, like, oh, you don't oh, want yeah. the patriarchy, so you want the matriarchy? Oh, they're always trying to, to like, find a way want... to become the victims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's just like, what, ap- what about equality, right? right. Like, mm. I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. I like the idea of the horizontal mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, like, yeah, I, yeah, it would be tight to have a matriarchy, but I feel like if we were to say, like, yeah, I do want a matriarchy, then it's just us doing the same thing that we don't like. And if we're talking about inclusivity and equality, then we should keep it horizontal as opposed to putting us on a pedestal. Yeah, but I, I think what she's saying, which I think is so original, is that a patriarch. the problem with patriarchy, one of the problems with patriarchy, is that it is in, <laughs> inherently hierarchical. Hierarchical. Because... That is the the kind of competitive nature of men. Mm. I see what you're saying. That that is kind of the perfect system for them, or what they're naturally inclined and towards. And if it's a matriarchy, a matriarchy is more. Is the ideal is a horizontal. I got you. It's a collaboration, and inclusivity, and all of that. All right. So yeah. one necessarily isn't bad just because it's being led by a particular gender. The point is, what is the effect of that leadership? Just food for thought. Mic drop. Food for thought. Yeah. All right. I like that. What are bees? What's pissing (laughs) us off this week? Ashley. Okay. What's your one B? So my one B, keeping it to one, (laughs) 
is the treatment of Tabitha King, who Tabitha King is married to Stephen King. Uh, the very like so Tabitha King. Admittedly, I don't know a lot about Tabitha King mm. as a person, uh, but what's happening right now? They just donated to the New England Historic Genealogical Society. Okay, and specifically, all of the coverage of this large donation was Stephen King and wife Ugh. donated. Now, what's even worse is. <laughs> It was put under the name Tabitha King. So oh, they had God. to go like, yeah. So it's not even like Stephen and Tabitha King. No, they it's had to take like, a couple yeah. steps for that erasure. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So my B is this constant uh, way that news is covered, especially if you have like if uh, with famous spouses, yeah. mm-hmm. how it's always like this famous dude and wife, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm Damn. trying to think of other examples we, yeah. of that. Uh, yeah, it's it's very common. Even if you have a woman who's famous yeah. mm-hmm. and she's married to a guy who's yeah. less famous, it'll still mm-hmm. be that guy's name. And Yeah, wife. I was actually oh, no. just thinking um, Jake Gyllenhaal and Maggie. It's usually like Jake Gyllenhaal and his sister. Yeah, yeah right. Maggie, right. <laughs> like Maggie's mm-hmm. done some shit too. Yeah. Maggie's phenomenal, right? yeah. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. feel like we were, or this is a reoccurring theme, but when we were just mm-hmm. talking about art, um, not with Lolita, but when Sarah from Tomboy was on our show a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. she, and I forget, um, I, I forget specifically who the artist was, but it was talking about the couple. It was the man and the... Jackson Pollock and Lee Krasner. Exactly. The artist, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how right. Lee was never acknowledged. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it is a reoccurring theme, and it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, this is specifically a note to journalists. Check yourselves. Be conscious of this. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. no excuse for this anymore. Like, we have discussed it. We pointed it out. It's bullshit. Just... Just think a little bit harder and stop doing it. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's a good one. Thank you. Thank you. Alana? Okay, um, so admittedly, uh, we always know things. something's always pissing me off, right? Yeah, it's hard for you to, <laughs> it's to hard nail for down me to one be, B. To be pleasant. <laughs> no, it is hard for me to nail down one B, um, but the B that I that I think I'm, I'm facing this week because I'm filing my taxes is um, my 401k. So... The my company doesn't match my 401k, mm. um, which I just that found sucks. out yesterday. Oh, no. I just found out yesterday, but I was doing the math and I was like, wow, I, I just realized I've never signed into my prudential. Like, let me just figure out what's going on because I'm doing my taxes. Adult. I'm an adult doing adult things. Mm. And I logged on and I literally had like two pennies to my name. <laughs> and I was in like, your retirement fund, in my retirement fund, because I was ready to look and see like a million dollars. I was like, hell mm. yeah, six percent of my paychecks. And I've been working for a million years I'm gonna have a million dollars exactly mm. what happened um I didn't and when I actually did the math mm. because my company doesn't match a but also but like, have you been putting in yourself yeah six percent of mm. my paycheck I mean not so you just mean there was less than you thought because your company wasn't matching well that but also just like the disappointment and the fact that I feel I have never looked at how much has uh-huh. been in there mm. and what I expected was not that mm-hmm. um and so then I was doing the math and I was like, damn, I'm going to have to retire when I'm 95 to even have like this much money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Into my retirement. And then I just got annoyed at the system and I was like, fuck this. <laughs> why am I doing this? I'm never going to retire. And I'm well, just going to. Hopefully you won't be making the same salary you are now yeah. for the rest of your career. You're just at the beginning relatively. True. True. So it'll start snowballing. It fucking better. <laughs> I'm waiting. I don't fully understand how this works, but I worked with a financial advisor for the first time this year, and she figured out some equations to show me how much money I will die with if I only ever make as much as I make right now, and I die when I'm like 95. And it was like a few million dollars. And I was like, how the fuck does that happen? And she was like, yeah, these things just start like accumulating, Mm. and I don't don't understand anything Mm. that she explained to me. So you're basically a millionaire. Yeah. If Mm. I make it that long, I won't be alive to enjoy it <laughs> apparently that's just what i make just and then i kick it but go into your will write my name yeah. down i should have some just... kids so they can enjoy the yeah. fruits of my yeah. labor <laughs> well that was my b it's kind of all over the place mm. it was just like annoying it was just annoyed yeah no, i mean I <clears throat> yeah we guys we have an upcoming episode we'll be recording later this month with women who are going to break down a lot of financial stuff for us mm. so we will get into all of that um, you and I are not very educated about this, which is no. why we're going to do this episode because we both need to understand this more. So I think there are some big words of wisdom 
that you can receive in this area, and I don't have them, but they are coming. They're coming my way. <laughs> They're coming. Thank you. So just hold on. Finance gods. Next year, that 401k will be bursting Booming. Yeah. with pennies. And then I'm going to cash it out and just go to Hawaii. There you go. Done. Never to be seen again. Done. Yeah. What's your B? What, what's up? Okay. Uh, my B is just simply this graphic that I saw that was breaking down the female characters who are given speaking time in this year's Best Picture nominees, the percentage of female characters versus male characters mm. in each movie. So I just want to read it, and then we can say RIP to gender equality and move on. I'll go best to worst, actually. Okay. Okay. So Roma, 90% um, of the characters speaking on screen were female characters. Nice. Oh, Great. Okay. Love it. Yeah. Love that. Makes sense. It's really a movie about two women. And by the way, I finally mm -hmm. watched it right before the Oscars, and it's fucking amazing. Yeah. And I love that. Okay. So Roma, 90%. The favorite, 69%. Okay, mm. also good. I honestly would have thought it would be higher considering the movie is really just about three women, but mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, that, that one actually surprises me. Yeah, okay, yeah I mean, yeah. I don't know. 31% of the dialogue was to men. I mm. barely remember any of their lines. Mm. Okay, <laughs> uh, moving on. A Star is Born. Oh, your oh favorite. Boy. Oh, boy. Your favorite. <laughs> Which everyone loves to say. Don't it's, look at me. Like that, that movie's about both of them. It's both of their story. If anything, it's Gaga's movie more than Bradley's. Mm. While women recited 36% of the dialogue in that movie. And it was all Gaga. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of a single other woman know, in that I was movie. Just, I, no, she none. has a father, he mm. has a brother, yeah. she has a male manager. Okay, anyway. Mm. Black, Black Panther, which had amazing female characters, was one of the best superhero movies for female characters ever, 30%. Mm-hmm. Vice, wow. which earned Amy Adams yet another Oscar nomination. 18%. Oh, wow. This year's yeah. Best Picture winner, Green Book, 12%. More reasons to just not like what? Green Book. Uh -huh. <laughs> yep. Because um, uh, okay. the white saviors in that movie were mm -hmm. men. Uh, mm -hmm. Black Klansmen, 10%. And everyone's favorite movie this year, Bohemian Rhapsody, 8%. What? So, R.I.P. R.I.P. Equality. R. I. Got a long way to go still. Damn. That's it. That's my B. <laughs> That's wild. Wow. Yeah. Do yeah. we know? Because I know that they like they they've been doing this for the past couple of years, right? Like I don't like breaking it, it down like yeah, that. Yeah, breaking it down like that. And I think at least like with Roma, that one being at ninety percent, I think that's the highest I've seen in these gotta breakdowns. Be. It's got to be. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's another graphic <laughs> I saw today that didn't assign the numerical values. It was just a mm. visual <clears throat> showing you the ratio, so it, it wasn't interesting to read. But mm. they did this for every best picture winner from the last 20 years mm. and just visually none of them were even close to 50 50 i i almost want to say none were even close to 30 70 women speaking roles holy shit so all you mm. filmmakers listening and writers producers everybody please save us right some roles for Man. yeah we're done being sexy lamps yeah we, yeah we'd rather be we, talking <laughs> lamps at least and then yeah. you know continue yeah. to be humans. Yeah. beauty and the about? beast yeah. remakes yeah, 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 women yeah. voicing lumiere yeah oh, that's it <laughs> that's all we need that's all we need okay aggression that was great guys wonderful boats and bees okay uh we'll be right back to talk about the trans gaze and all the other amazing projects that ashley is working on in one sec 
Yeah, so I am a predominantly I'm a playwright. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been writing for about twelve years now or so. Okay. Uh, started way back in high school and then started getting productions up at my college. Cool. Uh, was brought into the Kennedy Center uh, to do a specifically. I was invited uh, to work on a, a playwriting uh, class for about two weeks. Wow. And then, cool. Where yeah. did you grow up? Grew up in Massachusetts. Okay. Uh, specifically Chelmsford, if anybody knows where that is, but I doubt it. So we'll just say Boston. <laughs> um, just easier to say Boston. Someone listening, yeah, right? Someone, someone from Chelmsford will be like, oh, Chumsford. yeah, I'm from there. Yeah. DM us, you Chelmsfordians. <laughs> you chums. Uh, so yeah, I started doing that and I started doing stand-up a little bit just to sort of like flex that muscle and try and uh, see if I could make that work. I'd always been told, oh, you'll be, you'd be a great stand-up comic, you should do that. And so I was just like, yeah, I, I do it as sort of a, a hobby now. It's something that I can just sort of like pick and choose whenever I want to do. Uh, but I don't necessarily say like, oh, I'm not a professional stand-up. But it's like, yeah, you know, hey, if you got time, if there's availability, I'm happy to do <laughs> yeah, it. Right. Totally. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been doing that. Right now I'm part of the Trans Theater Lab. Uh, so we are... Uh, it's housed in WP, the Women's Project, and uh, the Public Theater. Wow. Uh, and yeah, by the end of the year, I'm supposed to have a final uh, piece that I have to present uh, as a reading. So I'm really excited to okay. be challenged in that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. So um, I do just want to start with, this is probably a very tiny drop in the bucket of everything you work on, mm. but I did see that you had developed this workshop for writers to learn how to write trans and non-binary narratives. Mm. And it's like, it's an online tutorial people can pay for, right? Yep. And there's like videos that you've filmed and materials people can read and stuff, right? Okay. So I'm so curious about this because we haven't really approached this on the show yet um, because we haven't sat down with anyone who really had an insight into trans writing. Mm. We talked to someone who's kind of approached that from an acting end a little mm. bit, but <clears throat> what what does that mean exactly to you? Mm. I mean, I'm, I don't want you to give away what you're teaching in yeah. the seminar, um, but yeah. like what, yeah, how, here's really my question. Okay. And then you can start where you want and then get to this. <laughs> All right. Is it really something that you can teach to someone who's not living that experience? Mm. Because this is something I wonder about with, all the different kinds of people in the world. If you if you have not walked in that person's shoes, can you really write it? Because I feel like it's been common wisdom lately that we should just allow people to write their own stories. Mm-hmm. Mm. So how can you teach that? So ultimately, uh, just to kind of talk a little bit about the the classes that I do, yeah. uh, they're done through Writing the Other, which is uh, an organization. I believe it's writingtheother.com. It might be .org. I apologize. but It's .com. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so writingtheother.com. I was approached by them about starting one, and it's because we all kind of share the philosophy that if we want representation, we need to make sure that everyone is able to create that representation. Yeah. However, there are certain stories that we should leave to own voices. But then if we, like, let's say you are a cisgender writer, someone who is not trans, uh, if you leave trans people out of your story, that's not indicative of the world that we actually live in. Uh, I know very famously a long time ago, Jane Austen has said that she would never write a scene between two men without women present because that's not a reality that she understood. Mm -hmm. And I respect that philosophy, but at the same time, it is something that uh, it's it's tough to be able to say because, again, like we do live in a world where trans people do exist and we do live in a world where we should be able to try and write from their perspective. But at the very least, uh, even then as a as a playwright, I'm writing for people to pick up the piece and then work on it in some way. So mm-hmm. I've got designers, I've got uh, lighting designers, I've got actors. And so these are a lot of different hands that are all communally creating this piece of art. Mm-hmm. And so not only would it be a disservice to other people to not include characters that they could portray, and especially as a trans person who tried to make it as an actor in a time where I was told essentially I would have to play a drag queen or I would have to be more masculine and just play male roles mm-hmm. like the because the roles that would go to a person who could play a trans person would be a cis man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for that, I kind of said, like, I never want to do that. I never want to put that on someone else. Mm-hmm. So I need to be able to write for myself, but also for people that uh, don't have an easy time getting roles. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like. In an ideal world, we would just have more p- 
people would have more opportunity to tell their own stories and mm. we wouldn't have to teach, for example, cis people how to write trans characters? Or you think both are important? I think both are definitely important. Okay. I, I think... Like I'm thinking yeah. about the writer's room of Transparent, right? Mm -hmm. And I think like starting out... I, I mean, I think... Well, originally starting out was just mm. Jill, whose parent was trans, but is not trans. Um... Would it have been better to teach Jill and the writers they were working with how to write from that perspective or to just bring in more trans people to write those voices with them? Yeah, and um, <laughs> and I have to look this up again, but I believe uh -huh. Jill recently came out as, I don't know if non trans, but non-binary, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, 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 especially in that early set where, uh, where they weren't sure and everyone mm -hmm. was like, they just had the writer's room of who they had. Mm -hmm. uh, and particularly with Transparent specifically, they specifically tried to bring trans people into the production on every aspect right. eventually. Um, but to kind of answer your question a little bit more directly, because uh, <laughs> I just like went off on a little tangent. Um, I think ideally we should be able to create whatever story we want, but at the same time we're not necessarily there yet when we don't understand and having people in the room and when when we can look at a graph like when we look at this uh the one that we were just talking mm -hmm. about where how many women actually mm -hmm. speak in this mm -hmm. when we're at a point where we're reaching parity of all of them like when they're all at at least 50 percent right which is still not all right that's still not like 100 percent. but like hey <laughs> yeah. like when we're at like 50 percent on all of them yeah. we need at least hit that totally we're like, yeah, okay, we're we're reaching a point of parity. We're reaching a point that we can say, yes, this is not actually a problem anymore. Right. Totally. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're we're not there yet. Yeah, so. it's, you're really doing, um, you know, diversity and inclusion training. I mm -hmm. mean, it, because I understand completely the the question that you're asking, like, why not just bring more trans individuals to write their own stories? Um, and then I also understand the view that, like, listen, let's educate everyone outside of the trans group yeah. because they need to understand maybe they're not necessarily writing an entire screenplay that's focused around the trans gaze but they need to understand that those dialogues and those personas exist and let's say they are writing a traditional screenplay that is all cis and whatever um, you know perhaps they would now think of something that they didn't before because they've been educated on a different gaze maybe it's a new character that they introduce or what have you not necessarily that they'd be writing specifically from that person's POV, but now their mind is more, it's expanded to to understand that there are more roles that should be played. So I think it's all about education. Maybe you're not going to be actually writing the script, but educate yourself on the terminology, the language, the, the you know, everything that goes behind creating a character that has a trans gaze. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but then it's, that falls into the whole thing of whose job is it to educate people I mean, is it our job to educate everyone or at a certain point they need to start fucking educating themselves? And I mean, which is yeah. this is not an apples to yeah. apples conversation, no, but I, it just feels yeah. like a little bit of a Venn diagram overlap. No. Yeah. I, I, I think as much as we would like everyone to educate themselves, they don't. Um, and right. I think where we can mm. educate it kind of is our duty as mm -hmm. the other gays, whether we're, you know, LGBTQI plus, you know, everything. It is our responsibility to educate our community because right. some people just like don't even know that they need that education uh -huh. mm -hmm. because they're so used to living their normal, you know, their traditional sure. life. Yeah. And I don't think anyone should be should feel like they have to be an educator. Mm -hmm. I tend to like education. I tend to like being an educator. So it is something that I I sort of put on myself. Yeah. Uh, there are definitely times where I tell people like, no, nah, not right now. No, yeah. not today. Hey, yeah, talk yeah, to yeah. me. We can talk about a rate. Yeah. Uh, yes, you should pay me for something <laughs> totally. like this. Totally. Uh, I do actually do sensitivity reading for trans and non-binary characters and pieces oh, wow. so it is That's great so it is it is an aspect of like all right if i'm going to be doing this anyway i may as well get paid for it totally um yeah 100%. so yeah. your time is mm -hmm. worth something Absolutely. yeah um can you give a couple of examples of things that you do teach though yeah for, so just for the writing part of this yeah yeah so one of the big things that i try and teach people especially when they're writing a trans character is to look at them as a whole character mm -hmm. and i know that sounds like a very obvious thing uh, i know that that sounds like something that we should already know like yes they're a whole character but a lot of writers get bogged down with well if they're trans i need to write about their transition well mm -hmm. i need to write about their right. medical their physical their mental mm -hmm. their however you need to transition and very often that's where the stumbling block is. Mm -hmm. Or they need to write about like, oh, this time that this trans person was like hurt because they're trans. And 
that's not as important as them as a character. And yes, there are things that will affect them because they're trans in a different way mm-hmm. than a cis person. And they have like, but at the same time, we often don't look at them as characters. We look at them as the trans story. Yeah. And so giving them things that they like, giving them things that are quirky, giving them things that uh, make them not really a good person. Yeah. Like, why can't we have a trans Breaking Bad? Yeah. Like, uh, Shakina Nafok on Difficult People was fantastic because she basically the way she started to describe it was, I'm two things. I'm trans and a 9-11 truther. Right. And so she would do both of those things on the show. And so it's like <laughs> for every trans thing she'd say, she'd also bring up how uh, 9-11 was an inside job. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was great. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's, I mean, that reminds me of how so many queer characters are either portrayed as struggling with a coming out mm-hmm. thing or having some mm-hmm. tragic storyline, yeah. you know, and yep. can't just be people who are just living their lives and dealing with very universal right, that's life so problems. True. Yeah. That actually, so do you, question for you, Ashley, yeah. is there a character that you've seen, a, a trans character mm. in today's pop culture um, that has had a story that is not the Laverne Cox and Orange is the New Black? Yeah. Do, do, do they exist yet? So and there, yeah. So there, there are a couple that I really like. Like specifically, like I just said, mm-hmm. um, I oh, and I can't remember her character's name, but the character Shakina Nafok played on Difficult People. Uh, she was wonderful. Uh, but also recently, and I have not finished this season of Steven Universe, but apparently there are a lot of things that have been said about what happened at the end of the season on Steven Universe mm-hmm. that leads us to believe that he may be a trans character. And I need, again, I need to finish that season, and I'm sorry if that's a spoiler, (laughs) but everybody's been talking about that. Um, The other one is there is a trans character. I may have to come back to this because there was a trans character I was thinking about recently who I absolutely loved their portrayal. Uh, But again, it's like now kind of fuzzy now that I'm sitting here with a microphone. (laughs) Of course, (laughs) it happens. Because that always Always. happens. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay, nope, now like I've got like a million and five and the second I leave, I'm going to be like, oh my gosh. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. You can tweet. We'll retweet. It's it's cool though that that that, that exists. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah, but but not mainstream enough yet, obviously. We're getting there. But yeah, we're not there yet. I think, yeah, because I do think that there is a lot of great Uh, positive trans representation but it is something that we are not fully there yet and a lot of people still need that like well why does this character need to be trans Mm -hmm. and it's just like all right so we got that we got that over with great boom let's continue right (laughs) so this also reminds me of what feels like an age-old debate but Mm. it's still relatively new but the question of trans actors playing trans roles or Mm. queer actors playing queer roles it came up again with the oscars because Mm -hmm. three of the uh recipients of an acting oscar this year were straight actors Mm. playing queer roles Mm. Mm -hmm. and some people were like enough of this Mm -hmm. this is like we have enough queer actors now let them play these roles how Mm. do you feel about that Mm. um in general and in particular with trans actors and trans roles Yeah, I mean... Is it another example of hmm. we're not in the perfect world yet? (laughs) Yeah, I think, at least for me, and this is just my own personal take on that, especially being a little bit, like, removed from, but in the the machine of this, like, overarching, like, oh, having to deal with casting professionals, having to deal with a lot of other things, Mm -hmm. there are certain questions that you can't actually ask an actor for legal reasons, like, how do you identify? Are Mm -hmm. you straight? Mm -hmm. Uh, Even certain, like, religious questions. Like, I know that came up with uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, because the the lead actress is not actually Jewish. Jewish. Um, And so there are certain questions that you can't necessarily legally ask these actors. Uh Um, I, because I'm on the indie scene, it's a little bit easier to be like, hey, we are (laughs) looking for, we're not going to tell you that you can't apply for this role. This character for, like, again, if I have a trans character, Mm. this character is trans. We are intending to cast a trans actor. If you fit this, if if you fit this description, Uh uh-huh. Right. Please apply. Right. And so that kind of wording works as a way to be like, oh, and especially to check up on people that like, because they're, it's not very often, but you do find some folks that just like, especially on a, a subscription acting service that will apply mm-hmm. to everything. Mm-hmm. If it seems like it may apply to them, even though it absolutely doesn't. Mm. And then we'll say like, hey, just FYI to everyone, blanket statement, this is what we're intending for this character. If this applies to you, great. We'd love to have you. Right. If this does not apply to you, We'd rather you don't. But that's on that actor to then either say like, yes, that does apply to me or, oh, that actually doesn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, but. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) 
at least at a certain mm. level of budget and mm -hmm. if you're hiring bigger named actors a casting director knows who's out as a particular identity yeah. and could uh, it could seek to bring those people in for auditions mm -hmm. if that was the director's intention to cast that way yeah and i think that is sort of the the difference between say what i was just talking about yeah. and what you actually initially asked no, which no, no, is no. That, it's all relevant but yeah, yeah but with a higher budget production mm -hmm. there are enough people and especially specifically and i know that we weren't necessarily talking about trans specific but if we are talking about like trans specific folks yeah. there are enough out trans actors in a professional realm that someone can pull from and can find and can hire right. and the fact that these this representation is not being represented by own voices so much and again we're, we're talking about that idea of like parody okay mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'd love to live in a world where uh, a cis person or a straight person could portray these characters uh -huh. but because so many of us go without jobs because so many of us get told you can't be trans and an actor you can't be this that and the other thing mm -hmm. because we live in that reality right now mm -hmm. we're not there mm -hmm. and i'd much rather see that go to queer actors yes for queer roles yes that's an mm -hmm. excellent Agreed. point uh, I feel like our listeners are going to be waiting for us to to touch on this topic, but I don't want to get bogged down in it. But okay. I feel like we should just briefly discuss Jeffrey Tambor. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I can't say uh, misconduct aside because there's no such thing. Right. But But prior to learning all of that, about him, mm. what he, he was doing on set, in particular to um, trans women on set, how do you feel about him being cast as Mora and Transparent? Okay. With the understanding that, again, we can't necessarily look at it as not a whole thing because uh, the way that he conducted himself and the, the way that things happened is just abysmal and I am very, I will not see things specifically because Jeffrey Tambor is in them anymore. Yes. And uh, ultimately but, knowing what, we know, what yeah. we know now, none of it was worth it. Right. One person's life or happiness is mm -hmm. never worth any artistic pursuit. We've yeah. talked about this before Absolutely. on the show. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But just in terms mm -hmm. of when they were initially doing the casting, mm -hmm. was it wrong to cast a cis man in a trans role? Or mm. the other argument that's been made and what Jill has often said is that show never would have mm -hmm. been greenlit by Amazon or paid for by Amazon if they had not cast a famous cis actor in that role. So yeah. then it wouldn't have existed at all. Mm. What do you think? If we create a hypothetical situation where <laughs> yeah. all of the things happen, but we're not talking about this one man, uh -huh. we're talking about a hypothetical yes. show. Yes. Uh, I think... <laughs> Because of the way, and again, assuming that they make the same hypothetical decisions, uh -huh. the way that they brought more trans workers into the project and the way that they said we're not going to cast any other cis people as trans and mm -hmm. we're going to include a lot of trans inclusion. Yeah. That was great. Yes. Uh, I And again, because I think it's because I have that view that I'd love to live in a world where a cis person can portray a trans person and I've seen it done well. John Lithgow did a damn good job in uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it happens, but at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I, I think that because they gave so many other trans people work in this hypothetical show that we're talking about, mm -hmm. um, it is something that it was a good thing and it's a very good thing moving forward. I hope that we don't need to do that very often if ever again yes but yeah i think that it was definitely a step forward rather right. than a step yeah. back totally mm -hmm. would you guys ever see a kevin hart movie again if you ever did in the first place <sighs> so <laughs> i'm actually very mad about this um, okay I, so yeah. my yeah. my grandmother has mm -hmm. told me in five different conversations how much she loved the upside mm -hmm. his new movie with brian cranston yeah. she okay. just enjoyed that movie it's like she has amnesia that she has mm -hmm. already talked to me about this movie and every mm -hmm. single time she brings it up i say grandma i'm never seeing that movie or any kevin hart movie again i don't want to yeah. hear about this anymore right. and i have to re-explain to her why right and why he stepped down from the oscars and all the shit about him mm -hmm. so it's been on my mind lately yeah. <laughs> like more than i want mm -hmm. it to be yeah 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 um i don't care enough about kevin hart <laughs> to watch any of his things in the first place mm. it, initially okay. before you know everything but would you intentionally not watch a kevin hart movie now um 
this this would have been a good it's, hot take but yeah it's yeah um <laughs> so you like don't have to spend I, too like much if, time if, on if it. i'm in like uh if i'm with all my friends and they're like let's put on uh, the tooth fairy no like will you buy a <laughs> ticket to a kevin hart movie oh no <laughs> okay no is the tooth fairy the name of a kevin hart <laughs> no it's the rock it's the rock movie it's just all the same shit <laughs> yeah. to me honestly um yeah it, mm. no i wouldn't because of his homophobic tweeting mm. yes yes okay so, okay. I <laughs> loved his team-ups with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Uh-huh. I actually was very surprised by them. I can't remember that movie, but the one where they were like both high school buddies yeah. and like, you know, like Yeah, Jumanji. No, um Jumanji. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, he they, they, they did that. But yeah, they did that, but I know exactly. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what it was called. It yeah. was like uh but basically like The Rock turned into be this like super amazing like secret agent guy and brought Kevin Hart along for the ride because yeah. that's the movie. Exactly. Uh, I actually thoroughly enjoyed that movie. I wasn't expecting to and part of it was just because I love The Rock Um, and so it it makes me very sad that that happened and he like because his whole defense was I've already apologized about that Uh and a like I mean I'm sorry you got to show the receipts like I that's nice that you say that where when how what. Totally. Like, because that's the thing like no one was showing and even even the like the internet of people uh-huh. the, the yeah. internet of people yeah the people of the internet, <laughs> internet, of internet. The internet of people. you heard it here yeah but no. like but yeah like someone should have could have would have found these receipts and i would have been happy to see these receipts that he's already apologized about mm-hmm. them and i think that there is a deeper conversation that i as a white person do not have any uh ability or um faculty to speak about mm. so i'm not going to but at the same time just as a queer person i feel like if his stance was i've already apologized for that where right like yeah. great right. show me right. the apology is very important and this is something that i think it's overlooked um because so few people give a correct, genuine, appropriate apology that mm. it feels like we're never open to an apology. Mm. Yeah. But I I read an article a few weeks ago, I think now, about Aziz Ansari and how he's mm. been back on the stand-up circuit and he is addressing what happened. And the quotes from him talking about it went a long way with me. There was no backhanded apology. There was no defense. It was straight up. That was an amazing opportunity for me to look at my own behavior and for everyone to look at their behavior and to understand things in a new way and just totally acknowledging how correct and important and like he was able to grow and learn a lot from it. Mm. Right. Not defending it. Right. Not putting any shame on the woman who recounted the story or, you know, not lashing out and so many times the apologies leave this little back door mm-hmm. for them to scoot back through. Yeah. And it's very apparent, you know, and it's really not that fucking hard to just say, I'm sorry it was wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I understand now why it was wrong. Right. And if there was a genuine apology, genuine that I've, you know, took home from Kevin, then, you know, to your point, Ashley, I'll buy a ticket. Fine. Right. Yeah. But also, like, sometimes you're just like, you, are you just saying sorry because you're a celebrity and you have to because it's your name? Like, yeah, I'm 100%. So you have to really... It, 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 it's just yeah. but even then they still can't fucking do it which I don't understand yeah, I know like, like don't you have a publicist who writes this for you right. and just be like read mm-hmm. this word for word right. don't add anything yeah. don't take anything away read this very genuine apology right. and we will be good to go and right. a lot of mm-hmm. men cannot fucking no. do it no mm-hmm. um, okay Ashley, I want to ask yes. you about the <laughs> Is It Transphobic podcast, Yeah, which you produce and co-host, right? Yep. Was well, a few of you or? So it's basically me hosting and then I bring in a number of different uh, people to talk about it, other Got trans it. and non-binary folk. Okay. So you're the one consistent host yep. and then you have rotating guests on. Awesome. Okay. So um, I listened to the episode where you guys were talking about Hannah Gadsby's Nanette. Yeah. Which was very interesting to hear you discuss. Uh, we've talked a lot about that and mm. Hannah. Um, and there's something that I wondered hearing you talk about that special. You were you in particular were talking mm. about Hannah Gadsby's perceived gender identity. Mm. And you observe that there's something not quite cis about Hannah Gadsby, even though. I think as far as we know, she Mm. has publicly identified as cis. Yeah, she definitely publicly identifies as cis. She Mm -hmm. is cis. And uh, I think this was sparked from a conversation that uh, Joe, one of my other uh, guests on the podcast, Uh was talking about where she talks about, I think that there's something to people that don't 
look in the way that people would expect mm. a cis person to look, mm -hmm. uh, that they get judged by almost a trans lens. Mm. Uh, you mm -hmm. see this where people are attacked and dragged out of bathrooms even though they're cis and they both and like I belong in a women's bathroom too, but like you see this a lot with cis women who have short haircuts mm -hmm. and who do these things where they get accused of being trans and therefore bad and therefore deserving of violence. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is why I think it's a, a problem to be against gender variance and gender uh, and deviating from a cis lens, mm -hmm. so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, or rather, let me make sure that I said that correctly. It's a problem that we are so against seeing people okay outside. yeah like i thought maybe when yeah. it's a problem right. in that it can bring you problems <laughs> yeah when no you're that's also true yeah. Yeah. Norm. Yeah. yeah i just want to make sure i was saying that correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wait 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 yep. yeah mm -hmm. good to clarify but yeah, yeah. um mm -hmm. but i i also just thought it was mm -hmm. so interesting to think that you might have mm -hmm. this particular sensitivity to someone's um gender spectrum in a way that mm -hmm. maybe they haven't even put mm -hmm. words to mm -hmm. yet and i think you mm -hmm. even said that about Gatsby that you know our our language about our own identities evolves so like who knows where hers might evolve mm. to and I wonder if you experience this a lot when you mm. meet people out in the world where you pick up on something and you wonder mm. if they've even picked up on it themselves well I think and and I think that we tend to look at Specifically, if I'm talking about gender, we tend to look at it and as a fixed thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's a problem. Like, even when you transition, even if you're like, whether it's publicly, medically, et cetera, et cetera, socially, um, people will be like, okay, well, then it's that, right? That's your name now. That's mm. what we're going to call you forever. That's your pronouns. Okay, you're stuck with this. Good, good, good. Okay, well, you were stuck with It's like, I don't want to be in another box sometimes. Right, right, right. And having that like ability to shift and not necessarily say like, okay, this will be true for five years, but uh -huh. maybe in five years, I don't want to be Ashley anymore. Right. We'll see, like maybe that doesn't fit me. Right. Um, and, and I think now whether I can kind of like see that in other people, I can definitely see people experiment but it is only a thing that like i can't necessarily innately go like that's a trans person yeah uh, <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Which is like yeah it's like yeah my the trans dar doesn't work trans dar, yeah exactly uh but yeah yeah i think i think that there is definitely something to being open to not only just uh gender variance and mm -hmm. and changing uh and being open to people changing but also just that idea of like okay what you are telling me is a true statement you are you are who you are telling me. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that a lot of people immediately become dismissive or uh, think that people don't know who they are or don't have a sense of or that they don't have a sense of themselves if they want to add pronouns. Like right. I recently, within the last year, added they them pronouns. I still oh. use she her. Uh -huh. But I tend to introduce the people like, oh, you know, what are your name and pronouns? Uh, Ashley, she, her or they them. Uh -huh. uh, and. It is something that just adding that and saying like, yeah, like, I don't think I'm completely binary, but at the same time, that doesn't completely negate the fact that I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. But it also doesn't negate my non-binary nature either. Yeah, totally. So, totally. yeah. I'm telling you, we got to get rid of all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I keep oh my trying God. to make this argument. Abolish all pronouns. Mm -hmm. See you later. They're becoming mm -hmm. meaningless. I know. Oh, mm -hmm. by yeah. the way, though, I once told a girl that I used to date, I was like, who identifies as she her mm -hmm. cis woman i was like i think that you're probably actually non-binary which i which i shouldn't have said because i shouldn't name someone else's yeah, gender identity and she was like what are you talking about i identify mm -hmm. as a girl i feel very much like a girl yeah and i was like okay and i remember being i like i if she listens to this I, which i doubt she does but i apologize because i remember being a little bit smug about it like i've done I had exactly the same discovered though. something about her that she didn't know yet and yeah. i was telling her what was up mm. And that's a shitty thing to do. Yeah, so I, no, but I've been victim to that as well, or yeah. I've done that. I, same situation where um, it wasn't necessarily me, me being like, yo, you're non-binary. It was more like, hey, <laughs> have more you ever... Than I do. Yeah, mm. I was like, have you ever thought that maybe you would mm. want to identify as non-binary based on, you know, your androgyny and how you speak about the fact that you like to be both masculine and feminine, like we were having that conversation. Mm. And she was very quiet because um, we were also talking about um, binding. Mm. Uh, she mm -hmm. was, you know, interested in, in binding her chest. So that's kind of why I brought it up. And she looked at me and she was like, well, she was like, we've always been here. 
Like mm. she was like, I'm androgynous as fuck. I love being a woman, but like non-binary. She's like, I don't identify with that because it seems like something that was just created now. But like we've all been here. Mm. We've all we've always been here. And this is just how it is. So and but she she just didn't believe in that pronoun. Mm. But but I thought because you told me about this. I thought at mm. the end of that conversation, she, she said, yeah, exactly. Okay. So she was like, but, you know, the way that you're phrasing it. Mm. in this day then I guess I would be non-binary but because Mm. she wasn't comfortable not that she wasn't not that she was uncomfortable rather with the fact that those pronouns existed Mm. it was just that she was like we're I'm old school like I've been around long enough I love Mm. my pronouns she her but the way that you're describing a non-binary individual that lens is something that I can identify with Mm. I just like my she her pronouns it reminds me of older lesbians who are like queer like I'm a uh, dyke yeah Yeah. right exactly (laughs) no totally Mm. so it is fascinating but I I have done that the point of my Mm. story is yeah well, I mean, you were just offering it. Mm. <laughs> you were just inquisitive. Yo, I was naming a you thing. There. That wasn't You're mine. non-binary. You're non-binary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah no. um, Ashley, tell us yes. about Generation Lazy. Yeah. Which so, is how we came upon you because yeah. Alana mm-hmm. discovered a double Lazy in the <laughs> IGs. Yeah. Yeah. So Generation Lazy is a play that I've been working on uh, pretty much for the last ten years. Uh, I started writing it while W was president, and so there's a lot of like bits and pieces that were a part of that and uh, basically I was so angry when I saw articles talking about millennials killing businesses mm. like you've probably seen it millennials are killing napkins millennials are killing diamonds millennials are killing straws. personal submarines yeah. straws yeah just because they want to save the turtles right yeah so <laughs> <laughs> stupid millennials and their turtles um <laughs> so <laughs> i just got so mad about that i was just like why how am i killing industries if i'm working three jobs and still not keeping myself afloat mm. uh and so i sat down to write this like christopher durang dario faux style over-the-top comedy Uh, and it's about a woman Margaret Chatterley who has two hourly jobs and an internship she has a master's and she speaks fluent Mandarin and she is just living in a tent in her parents backyard Uh, she's working about 18 hours a day every day and uh, it's all about her thinking that she is slowly dying uh, because she does not have health insurance. And so she is just trying to find any way that she cannot go to the hospital. Wow. So, real. That's real. Yeah, that is. Yeah. True. So this play is going up in New York in April, yeah. right? Yep. April 9th through the 12th at The Tank. Awesome. Love The Tank. Mm-hmm. Uh, congratulations. So yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's really exciting. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. Um, my good friend, Laura Fox, uh, wanted to help me produce it. And so we're putting it up and. Yeah, Amazing. it's, it's going to be going to be so cool. Oh my god, it's it's so funny. I love it. I'm and so it's happy right with it. Right around the corner. Yeah. Yeah, something Damn. you've been working mm-hmm. on for 10 years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I must feel like, whew. Or yeah. is it a little bit like, oh, it's scary to let go of something I've been working on for that long because then I have to find a new thing to replace it with. <laughs> Although you have a lot of other things. Yeah. For example, um, tell us about Error 404. Yeah, so Error 404 is a new devised show that we're doing with Honest Accomplice Theater. Uh, they approached me about becoming a part of it. Uh, so for a devised work, it's basically they grab a number of people to create a, an entirely new piece of work. Uh, and this one's all about women and trans non-binary folk mm. in STEM. Uh, and cool. so like it's a combination of real found documents, uh, interviews with people who work in STEM in some way, shape or form, as mm. well as this whole narrative that we have created about uh, a number of women at a tech conference. Damn. So. Yeah. You're doing very nice. important work. Yeah, it's it's a. I'm honestly, in awe yeah. I'm, and inspired. Mm-hmm. Okay, so before we wrap up, will you do a quick round of the hot takes wheel with us? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited. It's right there. <laughs> I already forgot the beloved hot takes wheel. Okay, okay. Well, you know the hold drill. It for Ashley to spin. Okay, okay. Ash, I'm gonna do this. Great. Oh old, wow, this is oh, fun. Fuck. Okay, give it a good old All right. chug. All right. Oh, let me do it again. Oh, that was shit. not very oh, good. Shit. There we go. Okay. Okay. It landed on how do we educate parents on the gender spectrum? Oh, boy. Okay. Wow. Okay. Thank you. We lucked out. Oh, man. Okay. How do we educate parents on the gender spectrum? How do we educate parents on the gender spectrum? I would say the best way to do that is to either find media uh, that they're already familiar with, uh, things that they can already, that we can already point to. There are a lot of classic shows, like even All in the Family. They didn't do an amazing job, but they did a really good job 
job with a trans character, mm-hmm. uh, looking at how we've already existed for a very long time and sort of going from there. Now, the gender spectrum is more than just trans. It's more than just binary, obviously. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other binaries that we can break. Like looking at the binaries that we're already breaking, mm-hmm. looking at like good and bad mm-hmm. like that. OK, nothing is wholly good. Nothing's wholly bad. Mm-hmm. That's smart. So I, yeah. at least in my opinion, that's yeah. the best that's a good tip. starting point. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Exactly. Give them something they know. Mm-hmm. Alana, do you have any advice? Oh. Any do's or don'ts? Oh, um, any do's or don'ts? I don't, I, that one's tough for me because I feel like I'm still trying to educate my parents on the gender spectrum mm. and parents in general. Um, so m- my mom specifically, she's very liberal, very open, very loving individual. She's also a scientist. She was a microbiologist for the U.S. Army. Oh. Um, she has a very scientific brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I first, I remember I was telling a story and I said they did blah, blah, blah. And she said, oh, it referred to it as a group of people. And I said, no, Jay, as in Jill Soloway, I went to their panel. And she was like, why are you saying it like that? And I was like, oh, because they identify as non-binary this is what this means and she was like but how does that translate into chromosomes you know and Mm -hmm. I was like well it does Mm -hmm. not and I was trying to explain to her but as a a non-non-binary person I don't oh I don't know how to educate and I find that when I'm trying to educate my parents on the gender spectrum it's often difficult because myself I'm not as educated in certain I'm not as educated in the trans gays or the non-binary gays but Mm -hmm. I want my parents to understand that they exist Mm. um and you know my mom is like totally understands the trans gay she was she's like yeah I get that I understand but she it's hard for her scientific brain even though she's so Sorry, what do you mean the trans gay? You just mean trans identity? Trans identity, yeah. I I didn't realize I said gays. That was my bad. Um, The trans identity she understands Mm -hmm. somewhat more because it's, I think, a little more common now outwardly or Mm -hmm. publicly as Mm -hmm. opposed to non-binary, which is newly fresh into the scene so um i literally am just talking uh roundabout now mm. but oh. it's 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 difficult <laughs> so meant just talking is mm. your advice which i think is good but no but mm. that too you know we have a lot of really good conversations and i remember right after we had that particular conversation the next day we were talking and she said you know i was thinking a lot about the conversation that we had about non-binary individuals and mm. like what are your thoughts on x y and z or like See? do you think it's that not. maybe mm. it's beneficial for yeah because she's she's a smart woman and she wants to be educated uh-huh. but it is really like you're you said it's all about talking yeah and to ashley's point you're telling your mom about jill then your mom can go look up interviews with jill soloway and spend more time Mm -hmm. with that person to understand their identity better exactly i would just say don't do what i often do with my (laughs) mother which Mm -hmm. is to immediately act like a 16 year old whenever she fucks up a pronoun and be like oh mom (laughs) don't you get it mom come on i can't help myself i'm working on it but god my mom always says i come from a different era Mm -hmm. yeah I gotta tell you, I don't know what it is about parents, but no matter how, like, who you are, no matter how old you get, and I hear this from everybody else, too, like, the second that you're with them, you're just back to whoever oh, you were yeah. at, like, 16, and totally. it's just like, oh, a million percent. Yeah. Totally. You yep. don't know my life. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. I have one <laughs> quick question that yeah. could be its own episode, and I apologize, <laughs> but when we, we just said the trans gays, I realized mm-hmm. I didn't really ask you yeah what you would say the trans gaze means mm. which is kind of an impossible question but i will say we've talked on the show before about the female gaze being right. things like emotional and intuitive mm. and i'm wondering if there are any adjectives you would describe to the trans gaze hmm i would say immediately like i i because hmm. immediately I think people would immediately think of change. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I necessarily completely agree with that. I mm-hmm. think that the the trans gaze would be a lot more about actualization, mm-hmm. more right. about like confirming for yourself. Right. Um, so to me, that's what sort of the trans gaze is, is this sense of seeing something that is knowing yourself and confirming for yourself. Well, I think that's like what you are saying about giving advice to people, how they can write trans characters is to focus on the whole of a person. Mm -hmm. And I think that's maybe something that trans artists can bring to their art is to understanding that we are not just defined by one thing about us, Mm -hmm. but the entirety of our being. And that's a good way to look at characters when you're depicting them in art. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Alana, yeah. you okay? No, I just really enjoyed thinking. this conversation today. Yeah, I am mm. thinking, but I really loved this conversation today because we haven't had it before. Mm-hmm. And I found myself a lot in this episode not saying anything because I was, I'm taking so much in. Um, and it's moments like this, and I'm very grateful that we have really amazing guests like yourself, Ashley, who can come mm-hmm. in and just like drop some fucking knowledge bombs because it is, we're always seeking that education and I think it's really great that we can be in a space where we can talk about this thing um yeah so that's why I was I was staring with big eyes with big eyes like a kid on Christmas morning that's me (laughs) waiting to unwrap your presents (laughs) okay so for those in New York Generation Lazy Ashley's play is playing April 9th to the 12th to the 12th at the tank on 36th street mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard for me to pronounce things at the end of an episode yeah. <laughs> um you can find out more about it at generationlazy.com, right mm-hmm. um and for those who aren't in new york you can go to ashleylaurenrogers.com to follow all of ashley's work right that's Absolutely. all listed there mm-hmm. uh and as always we are at female gaze pod on instagram and twitter also i want to announce i just switched my twitter handle over from Ooh. at the real j cats which is all that was available when i joined twitter way back in the day but now i'm just at j cats I got the so OG handle. I'm not real anymore. <laughs> okay. I'm just the voice yeah. and a Twitter account. Hell so find me there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, where can we find you, Ashley, on social media? Yeah, if you want to find me, uh, you can find my professional page on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram at AshleyRogers83. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram at, or no, I already said that. You can find me on Twitter yes. at Lucretia Deerfor, L-U-C-R-E-T-I-A-D-E-A-R, and then the number four. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Michael Cohen. God bless America. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com style. 